highest of heights to the depths of the sea. So Josiah took all the shrines. I said that he provoked the Lord to anger, and he did to them according to all the deeds he had done in Bethel, and he executed all the priests of the high places who were there on the altars and burned men's bones on them, and he returned to Jerusalem. Creatures unique in a song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck with. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. As Pastor Rob continues our study, he moves into chapter 23 in the book of 2 Kings. This chapter explains all of Josiah's reforms. We learn that he didn't only remove sinful things, but also the sinful people that promoted and permitted these sinful things. The idols that filled the temple didn't get there or stay there on their own. There were idolatrous priests who were responsible for these sinful practices. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 22 and begins chapter 23 in this exciting study of King Josiah. And so they brought back word to the king. In 2 Kings chapter 20, the Lord had a similar thing that he did to Hezekiah, Josiah's great-great, or his great-grandfather, excuse me. And God told Hezekiah that he would uh, deliver him from the king of Assyria. He'd give him 15 more years. But it wouldn't be till after he passed from the scene that things would happen. And I love that about God. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 23 now. It says, Now the king sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah, and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. Notice that his inclination was not just to keep it for himself. He wanted to read it before the people because they needed to be broken just like he did. And when he read the that law to them, the the five books of Moses. Think about that. He read that to them. And their hearts broke. And then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord. Wow, this is amazing. This guy's on fire. And to, to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and all of his soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And notice, and all the people took a stand for the covenant. Oh, I wish the, America would stand up for the word of God. That the church even would stand up for the word of God. Not necessarily you all here because you love the Lord and you're a different breed here. But there are churches that don't teach the word of God. They don't care about the word of God. They're more interested in, in everything else, that, you know, everything but the word of God. Would the God that America, the church in America would stand up 
for the word of God. Let me tell you, if they did, it'd be an amazing thing. Our country would be very different if the church was doing what a church should do. And I'm not just saying you guys, okay? It may not have anything to do with you at all, but I'm talking about the church in totality. Because good, godly leadership encourages people to follow. And they were following Josiah. He made that covenant and they followed him. And he was a a great man. And they're like, we're going to follow this guy. He's doing the right things. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest, verse 4, the priests of the second order, and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the articles that were made for Baal, for Asherah, remember that Canaanite female deity of fertility, and for all the host of heaven. And he burned those articles outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron. And if you go to Jerusalem today, you see the Kidron Valley, and this is where they burned all this stuff. He took it out there, and he carried it out there, and he burned it, and then he carried the ashes, to Bethel. And then he removed, verse 5, the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense on the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places all around Jerusalem. And those who burned incense to Baal and to the sun and to the moon, to the constellations, to all the host of heaven, they were worshiping all of these Assyrian gods, all of these different gods. And he brought out the wooden image, this Asherah, from the house of the Lord. It was in the house of the Lord. Can you believe it? This wooden, idolatrous image in the house of the Lord. He took it outside Jerusalem, burned it at the brook Kidron, and ground it to ashes, and threw its ashes on the graves of the common people. And then he tore down the ritual booths of the perverted persons that were in the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the wooden image. So they would have these tents where these male prostitutes would literally engage in sexual activity. And this is how they worship God in these tents, that these women would make coverings to cover them. And they would do these lewd, awful, twisted, weird things in there. And yet, there are Christian churches... Not too far away from here, actually. Who embrace homosexuality. Who embrace heterosexual fornication. God's a God of love. It's okay. No, it's not okay. (laughs) It's not okay. When you read this, what do you think about it? I mean, there's plenty of scriptures. We could go there, but we don't have time. But God is not for any of those things. Does he love the people? Yes, you better believe he loves the people. But... He hates the sin. Whether you're a heterosexual fornicator or whether you're a homosexual fornicator, you must repent. You must repent. Or you will suffer the judgment of God if you do not. Oh, don't say that. It's not politically correct. I could care less. I could care less. I'd rather be faithful to God and faithful to his word and upset a million people, actually quite a few million people. I don't care. Because God loves them. And they need to know that God loves them. And see, church, we have to remember that God loves them. He loves them. Just like he loves the heterosexual, the male and the female living in sin, he loves them too. He loves the homosexual. He doesn't love their lifestyle and the sin that they're doing, but he loves them. And yet the church can treat people like that, especially the homosexual community. We, why, why should we treat them different? Some churches do. Some Christians do. 
They may know somebody in church who's living together and having intimacy with one another doesn't bother them so much. But, oh, talk about somebody who's sleeping with another, you know, a man with a man or a woman with a woman, and then all of a sudden they get incense. And it's like, where's your head? Where has your head been all this time? You should have been speaking to those people, the heterosexual couple. You should have been telling, talking to them. Don't just pick favorites. If we do that, then we become like what the world thinks we are, right? And shame on us for that. The room got really quiet. I wonder how many of you are going to meet me out by my car when we're finished. You guys are going to be out there with pitchforks and we're going to take care of you, Kellogg. <laughs> well, I can run pretty fast. So. But notice, and he brought all the priests from the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba. These are just um, uh, geographical markers. And also he broke down the high places at the gates, which were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were to the left of the city gate. And do you notice how specific it is? Some people think, well, the Bible is just an allegory. It's just a made-up story. Well, there's very specific details in here. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, look at that. Even broke down the high places at the gates, which were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city. That was something at that time, which were to the left of the city gate. Very specific, very extremely specific locations of things. Remember that. Because God, this is all true. And even archaeology is proving this stuff as we go. It's, it's wonderful. I love it. When they find a rock or uh, some kind of thing in the dirt you know, over in Israel, and it, and it just proves, you know, it, it, it just verifies what we knew to be true all along. Anyway, nevertheless, verse 9, the priests of the high places, they did not come up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread among their brethren. And notice, and he defiled Josiah, he defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no man may make his son or his daughter pass through the fire. And that image that you see on the screen is, is, the, is where they would have at the southern end of Mount Zion, where David's palace was was not the temple but David's palace the southern end of that around the end was a trash heap and this is where they would have this idol set up and they would heat it and you've heard me say this before it's horrible and they would they would burn children postpartum on those altars to these false deities and and that one is Molech and and so they would do this and God was furious about this and so he defiled Topheth Josiah did which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fire to Molech and yet they did this even kings did this Ahaz did this and then he removed the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun at the entrance to the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathan Melech the officer who was in the court again very specific info and he burned the chariots of the sun with fire the altars that were on the roof the upper chamber of Ahaz which the kings of Judah had made and the altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of the Lord the king broke those down and pulverized there and, and threw their dust into the brook Kidron. This guy was like a wrecking ball. He was going through all of Jerusalem, all around Jerusalem, and he was just tearing everything up to pieces. And God was just, <laughs> love this young man. <laughs> he was doing the right things. Those things shouldn't even have been there. And now God had touched his heart. Kind of like Gideon. 
I love the heart of Gideon. Read Judges chapter 7 and see what he did to his father's altar. God loves young men and women who have the courage to stand up for him. To do the right things. To be examples. To keep their vessels pure. He loves people like that. And so then the king, 13, verse 13, he defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem, which were on the south of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, king of Israel, had built for Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Sidonians, for Chemosh, the abominations of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the people of Ammon. Remember, Solomon had many wives, and so he built all these pagan altars for all of his wives. And his wives led him away from the Lord. So why, didn't we read earlier that God told that whenever a king began that he wasn't supposed to multiply wives to himself? And what did Solomon do? He did exactly the opposite, and he paid the price. Now thank God later in his life he understood, and he came back to his senses. In verse 14, he broke the pieces in pieces the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images, filled their places with the bones of men. Moreover, the altar which was at Bethel and the high place which Jeroboam, excuse me, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, had made, both that altar and the high place he broke down. He burned the high place and crushed it to powder, burned the wooden image, and Josiah turned, and this is interesting, he saw the tombs that were there on the mountain, and he sent and he took the bones out of the tombs and burned them on the altar and defiled it according to the word of the Lord, which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these words. And then he said, what gravestone is this that I see? And so the men of the city told him, and they said, it's the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and proclaimed these things, which you have done against the altar in Bethel. And he said, let him alone and let no one move his bones. And so they let his bones alone with the bones of the prophet who came from Samaria. Now you may be wondering what this is about, and I would encourage you to write in the margin of your Bible a reference, and you can read it. And I'll read just a few verses of it, but it's 1 Kings chapter 13. And um, it's a wonderful prophecy about Josiah, and it was given about 300 years before he was even born. And God named him by name 300 years before he was even born. And this is not unusual. God did it for Cyrus, a pagan king. And God did this for Josiah because remember, and it was during the, the time in First Kings chapter 13, that was a time when Jeroboam, Israel's first king, had made the two molten calves, remember? And made two centers of worship, one in the northern part in Dan in, in Israel and the other one in uh, Bethel uh, in, the, in the other part. And um, they were centers of worship. And it says in 1 Kings 13, it says, Behold, a man of God. Here it is. This is the man of God that 300 years later that we're reading about now that Josiah inquired about. And can you imagine? Well, let's just read it. And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. He wasn't supposed to do it. It was the altar of the golden calf. And then he cried out, this, this, this prophet cried out to the, um, by the altar, by the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. So this altar in Bethel, 
Josiah comes and he, he sees this, this grave and he inquires, Who's this? whose grave is this? That's the man of God back in 1 Kings 13. 300 years ago, Josiah. Oh, and by the way, he spoke about you. The very thing you're doing right now, God told him. God told him 300 years prior. What? See, he didn't have... I don't know if they had the, chronic, the, the kings like we have it now, but all they had, I mean, it, it might have been written down somewhere. We really don't know. But can you imagine being Josiah and say, this is the man of God who told that you were going to do this, that you, Josiah, before you were born, 300 years ago, he called you by name that you were going to do this. Can you imagine the thrush of energy that would be? How did he know that I would be doing this? He must be He must be God. He must live outside of time. He must know the end from the beginning. He must be the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning. Well, of course he is. He's the one who spoke everything into existence. He's got, he knows exactly what's going to happen three, three days from now. He knows what's going to happen to you a month from now. He knows where you're going to be. He knows the thoughts that you think before you think him. Oh my goodness, could this really be who we're serving? Yes, it is. Doesn't that lift your heart in wonder and in awe? Think of how he felt. I mean, wouldn't that blow your mind? You're doing something one day and somebody comes and says, oh, I, gotta, I can't believe this is happening. I just read this this morning in my Bible. Rob, what you're doing today, God said he called you by name 300 years ago. He spoke that you were doing You've got to be kidding me. No, the very same thing that you're doing. I would probably pass out. Do we serve a God that wonderful who knows? Oh, yeah. He's much bigger and wonderful than all of that, even still. Everybody smile. Isn't it wonderful? I love it. I love it. So now, verse 19. Now, Josiah also took away all the shrines of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made to provoke the Lord to anger. Did you know you can provoke the Lord to anger? Do you want to provoke the Lord to anger? I don't. So Josiah took all the shrines, I said that, he provoked the Lord to anger, and he did to them according to all the deeds he had done in Bethel. And he executed all the priests of the high places who were there on the altars and burned men's bones on them, and he returned to Jerusalem. So, oh my goodness, I don't think I'm going to be able to finish all this. You know what, let's save the rest of this for next week. Um... And I don't regret that at all because I love talking about Josiah. So we'll look. Um, uh, this is probably the earliest I've stopped. It's actually almost time to stop. So um, lest we go for another 15 or 20 minutes and I uh, uh, provoke you to anger. <laughs> We're going to stop right here and we'll get into this next week. But again, I, uh, be encouraged by all of this. One of the things that I, I really love, even in the midst of the Old Testament, and, and people think that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. He's, he's the same. Do you, do you, can you see that? I hope, and I, hopefully I've pointed out as we've gone through the Old Testament. You know, We started in Deuteronomy, and here we are in 2 Kings. And I hope that I was able to show you the grace and the love of God, even in the Old Testament, who people have the stigma that God is just this angry God who just all these laws, all these rules and regulations, come on, man, just let me live. 
You know, people have this idea. You just always just restricted by all the laws and restrictions, and they get all bound up and hate God. Well, did you see the grace of God in those passages? Did you see how God was gracious to Aaron when He made the molten calf? Did he deserve to be smoked into dust at the at, in an instant? Of course he did. Did God do it? Did God? Did, did David deserve to die when he committed adultery with a man's wife and then had his, her husband killed to cover up her pregnancy? Did he deserve to get snuffed out? Yes. Did God snuff him out? No. God is plenteous in grace and mercy. Don't ever forget that. He's no different than the God of the New Testament. Same God. Don't ever confuse the two. He's the same. Is he serious? Yes, he is. Is he serious about justice and righteousness? Yes. Is he serious about grace and forgiveness? Yes. How does he do it all? Keep it in balance? He's perfect. God is perfect. Me, not so much. Actually, me, not at all. But he is perfect and righteous and just in all that he does. Let your heart get carried away with that and learn to love him even more than you do. Amen? Let's stand and let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this man. Lord, I'm so encouraged. Lord, at the darkest hour, at a very dark hour in Israel's history, and I think of our own dark hour that we live in now, Lord, would you raise up a Josiah? Not that we need a man, but Lord, you can do whatever you want. We know that our Joshua is coming. We know that there's a time coming, Lord, where you're going to come for the church. We know that, and Lord, that's what we're really longing for more than anything else. But Lord, until then, would you raise up many Josiahs in this country, men and women who Stand up for truth. To stand up for righteousness, Lord, for those things that are good. Lord, would you do that? Would you make us, Lord, Josiah's tonight? Would you give us pure hearts? Would you give us hearts after your own? And Lord, help us to forget about everything else. To be sold out for you, Jesus. Would you do that work in each of us, Lord? And Lord, help us not to remember, our Lord, our past and the things that we've done wrong. Lord, we have this propensity, as you know, to go back through the, the grave clothes and, and search through the things that you've already forgiven us. And we continually beat ourselves up over past sins, and yet we've confessed them, and you have forgotten them, and yet we try to dig them up again. Lord, would you help us to forget those things that are past and move on forward and not let them restrict us any longer. Set us free, Lord, by your Spirit. We thank you for this um, example of this godly man. Make us godly men and women whom you could say there's no one like him or her. They're wonderful. And Lord, you see us that way, perfected in Christ even now. But Lord, help us, practically speaking, to live up now to those things. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. That's the end of our lesson for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.